break in right now because we need to go to Washington, D.C., back to Washington, D.C., though, with some very different news. We've just learned that Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court, she has passed away. Let's get over. Joan Biskupic has more on this. Joan, she was, a, she was such a trailblazer. Tell us more. She was. She was. She was the very first woman to ever sit on the nation's highest court. In 1981, Ronald Reagan made her his first choice uh, for the high court. He had actually promised it when he was running uh, for election in late 1980. And Sandra Day O'Connor, what a trailblazer, not only became the first woman on the court, she became the key vote on the U.S. Supreme Court in case after case from the late 80s into the 90s until almost until the day she retired in late January 2006, succeeded by Samuel Alito. Her legacy was so deep during those years, uh, Kate, uh, and her, her importance as a figure in America, someone who was very inspiring to all three of the women, uh, all four of the women justices who now sit on the Supreme Court. You know, it's hard to imagine what it was like back in the 80s. The country had gone since, you know, uh, the late uh, 17, uh, to, from 1790 to 1981 with only men on the court. And she came, she was a woman who had grown up on a ranch in Arizona, who had, uh, I like to say that she came to the Supreme Court knowing how to count votes. I'd written a biography on her and relied heavily on her legislative record out of the Arizona Senate, where she had been the first woman state Senate majority leader. And she really knew how to work a room. She uh, made a difference for our country in terms of abortion rights. Uh, she was one of the critical votes to uh, uphold abortion rights uh, all the way through to the 1990s. She was critical on uh, racial remedies. Uh, she wrote a very important decision. Uh, she wrote very important decisions of, on women's rights, but also from her state experience, she really uh, favored states uh, state authority in the face of uh, what was seen in the 1990s as uh, federal government encroachment. So, you know, quite a deep legacy, quite an important uh, figure off the bench, too, not just in terms of inspiring men and women across the country, but she was very active after she stepped down. Uh, I should say, interestingly, interestingly enough, she stepped down because her husband at the time um, had Alzheimer's, and that's what she herself was suffering from for the last decade, uh, give or take. And today, when the Supreme Court announced her her death, it noticed it noted that she died from complications at age age 93. Uh, uh, lived such a, a long, important life at age 90, uh, 93. Died from complications of Alzheimer's. Kate. Joan, she, she was put in uh, by Ronald Reagan, she, uh, nominated by Ronald Reagan. Um, but right. she was considered a swing vote. I know she, she sided most often with, with conservatives. But she was such a powerful presence um, on that court and to the American public. And when you look at the court today, she seems to be from that era of a higher respect for the Supreme Court. Would you agree? 
Oh, definitely. First of all, she had, she could garner respect inside the room, the conference room, and outside. You know, as I said, you know, she was, she was a politician. She was a politician. She came to Washington knowing how to count votes, and she had real authority within the court's conference room. She was also like the social glue. She was always trying to get uh, her colleagues to do things after hours together because she knew that that built relationships. And then for her image outside, uh, those marble walls. She did a lot of public speaking. She was involved very much in the, um, uh, the uh, educational effort for uh, civics education. She worked a lot uh, with Eastern European countries uh, when they were developing their constitutions uh, in the 90s and into the 2000s. She, uh, she really saw her role as one both inside the court and beyond. And she, uh, she believed in the institution of the court and felt a real sense of integrity. She wanted, uh, she wanted the court to you know, be held in high stature, and it would bother her when, uh, you know, frankly, we've had a lot of ethics controversy recently. Uh, I'll never forget she got crosswise with Justice Scalia and, uh, over uh, an ethics deal having to do with his hunting trip with Dick Cheney way back when, which I won't get into, but I'm just saying that she, uh, to answer your question here, she just had an authority with her colleagues and uh, a stature that I think the American public responded to. She, uh, uh, she was someone who, whenever I followed her around for speeches, her speeches would draw lots and lots of folks. Again, it was, it was not just women, it was men and women who felt that what she stood for in terms of her regard for the separation of powers, the role of the states relative to the role of the federal government was very, very important. Joan, stand by, if you will. Uh, Ariane DeVogue, our Supreme Court reporter, is on the phone <clears throat> with us right now. And Senator Day O'Connor was a trailblazer. I mean, it's, it's almost beyond imagination to think that it wasn't until 1981 that a woman was on the Supreme Court. Um, give us your reaction and what you've learned about her passing. Well, it's absolutely right, because Sandra Day O'Connor was alone on the court. And what strikes me the most is in recent years, the other female justices, uh, the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Elena Kagan, Sotomayor, Barrett, they all considered Sandra Day O'Connor the person who cleared the way for them to be on the bench. She was such an inspiration to so many of them. I think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg used to call her my big sister. Now, they didn't agree, right, on all the issues, but that was the role that Sandra Day O'Connor uh, played. Uh, this announcement came this morning, relatively early here at the court. The justices aren't at the building, uh, but they are going to sit again for arguments uh, next week. And uh, Sandra Day O'Connor had been ill with Alzheimer's. And as this statement says, uh, that uh, she died from complications related to advanced dementia, probably Alzheimer's, and a respiratory illness. Uh, she was 93 years old. She hadn't been here for a while, but... As Joan talked about, she played such a role on this court for pragmatism. That's what she believed. From her background, she thought that that's what she could deliver. Uh, the court, when these uh, deaths occurred, even though that she was retired, it's like a small family up here. They have not announced uh, funeral plans, but expect uh, that to come uh, probably later on today. Ariane, talk more, though, about... She trailblazer, yes. Her attributes is also kind of somewhat of a politician and, and knowing how to work a room, if you will. 
But she has <clears throat> had such a strong hand as a justice on so many aspects of American life. Talk about her legal legacy, if you will. She did, and in her legal legacy, um, although she was definitely faltering in later years, she did see that being chipped away by this new conservative court uh, in the area, obviously, of abortion and affirmative action. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts has released a statement I wanted to read for you. He called her a daughter of the American Southwest. Sandra Day O'Connor blazed a historic trail as our nation's first female justice. She met that challenge with undaunted determination, indisputable ability, and engaging candor. And I think that's what's so interesting, the fact that when she was in conference, that's what she was looking at. She was trying to get to the nub of the cases so that the court could uh, rely on something that was common sense. Uh, he said, uh, we at the Supreme Court mourn the loss of a beloved colleague, a fiercely independent defender of the rule of law, and an eloquent advocate for civics education. Remember, she left the bench only because her husband was ill with Alzheimer's. That's why she decided to step down and to then how poignant that she, too, ended up uh, suffering from the same disease. You, know, you mentioned Ariane. She was on the bench as the only woman for a long time long time yeah and i remember covering an event a few years ago and uh she uh had just retired but she was on the stage with justice ruth bader ginsburg uh at this speaking event and later kagan would talk about her and justice sotomayor these women who feel like that they made the bench they got on the bench because sandra day o'connor opened the door to that and, of course, she was so attractive to President Reagan because of her background. She had such an unusual background sure. growing up on a range. She considered herself from the West. She was a Westerner on this bench, and she had come from um, her local politics uh, to reach the highest court in the land. Very poignant, her effect on women across the country. And you are going to hear about that uh, today and, uh, and in the days to come, her impact on other young lawyers uh, who really tried to follow in her footsteps.